The key to a successful business isn't just plans, strategies, and profit margins. It isn't just mission, vision, your big dreams for the future, or how you communicate to your ideal clients. It's not just your product suite, your pricing, your sales, or being the person who takes decisive action. It isn't even just nervous system regulation, expanding emotional capacity, and enhancing your communication skills. And it's definitely not just faith, manifestation, vibes, intuition, and magic. The key to a successful business is bringing all of these components together and knowing which one you need when. Nature thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you your business. This is the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. I'm so happy you're here with us today. And today on the pod, I am very excited to welcome back Ashley Michelle, the head witch in charge of Starseed Shadows, the host of the Goddess Complex podcast, channel, light worker, diviner, spiritual business mentor, bad bitch extraordinaire, Ashley Michelle. Shell. What a greeting. Thank you so much. Or an entry. I just, I, introduction, there's the word. Um, thank you so much. And I'm happy to be back. I'm Thanks for so having excited me. that you're here. And y'all, this is audio only, so you can't see, but we match. We're wearing matching kimonos right now. We're just, we really are, which is laughing. It's such I a vibe. Uh, I will definitely put a picture of this on the Instagram. So you Please do. Matching okay. and looking cute for this I, podcast. I know. I'm so excited that you're here because, well, first of all, I'm always excited when we get to talk. For those of you who might be new to my world or new to Ashley Michelle's world, uh, Ashley Michelle and I met doing this podcast. That's how we first connected. I came to her Lilith, Dark Moon Lilith in your business workshop. And then I invited her to be on my podcast. And then we ended up connecting so much in that episode that we ended up working together. And I was Ashley Michelle's coach for a year. Yeah. Um, which was also just such an honor. And it's been such an honor to be side by side with you during your business growth. But something we knew was happening that we worked together on is something we can finally talk about, which is that you are about to be on 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. Depending on when this episode drops, it may already be out. Uh, The first episode drops on October 8th, 2023 at 8 p.m. on TLC. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild to like say it's weird. (laughs) So one of the things, there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about, but first of all, I want to just high five both of us um, for keeping this a secret because I know both of us are talking, right? Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest secret I've ever kept in my life. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And There are so many things about this that are so exciting. If you are on Instagram, definitely go follow Ashley Michelle Starseed Shadows on Instagram. Uh, You've been posting clips of like your red carpet interviews. And I'm watching you being interviewed by E! News on a red carpet talking about being a witch. Yeah. (laughs) And I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) crazy right it is and it's so powerful and I I want to just kind of I think start here I have no particular order that I want to hit topics on but I'm in another I'm in a spiritual program as a student and one of the other participants was talking about fear of visibility Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about fear of visibility and the witch wound specifically. And I was thinking about how a lot of spiritual practitioners and spiritual business owners might think that what they're struggling with is fear of visibility. And they might do a ton of fear of visibility work and feel like it's not getting them anywhere because they Mm -hmm. don't know about witch wound. 
Mm-hmm. They may not know about witch wound work, and it's such a particular texture. Yeah. Not just being visible, but being visible as a powerful femme, as a wisdom mm-hmm. keeper, as someone doing something that is decidedly non-Christian. Yeah. And that for a lot of spiritual business owners who might not know about witch wound, they could be doing all this fear of visibility work and being like, well, it's not I, it's not getting any better because they don't know the real work I have to do is around people seeing me in my spirituality, in my spiritual using the word witch. Right. right? And that like, if they were an accountant or something, all their fear of visibility might be out the window. They might be fine, but this is really the thing. And Mm -hmm. so I guess I wanted to talk about like, what kind of inner work did you have to do to prepare Mm -hmm. yourself to have these conversations on this big of a platform? Good question. Um, I think, so the first answer that comes to mind, quite literally, I'm not even going to hold you, was nothing. And then I thought about it some more. And the reason why that came to mind was because what I really had to do, I had to learn who I was and and feel confident in who I was and, and know who I am, right? And I think at the core of what the witch wound is, that's really what it is, right? Like, knowing who you are, what you believe in, and knowing it so so wholeheartedly that no one can tell you otherwise. And nobody can tell me otherwise that magic isn't real. Nobody can tell me otherwise that manifestation isn't real. Nobody can tell me otherwise that aliens don't exist. Nobody can tell me otherwise. And it's because I've seen these things happen in my life. And I think knowing who you are also comes with practicing with yourself, like quite literally, right? So for example, the fear of visibility and, and talking about the witch wound, are you doing your witchy shit, for lack of a better word? Are you practicing with your tarot cards? Are you going live online? Are you journaling? Are you having these deeper conversations with yourself? Are you doing your shadow work? Speaking of which, one thing I really had to do was a lot of shadow work. I had to do a lot of shadow work. I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast episode ever. I had to do a lot of shadow work on understanding my reactions, my emotional reactions and triggers to things. And I had to understand why I would have really visceral emotional reactions, whether I'm sad, whether I'm frustrated, whether I'm angry to certain things that might be happening in my external world and where that came from. Long story short, it goes to inner child wounds. It it always goes back to inner child wounds, right? But So that level of shadow work, and I say that because really what it is, it's about getting to know yourself, getting to know who you are and what you stand for. And that's really what it comes down to. Once you know who you are, nobody can break you. Like you're invincible. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is on what you do and what you stand for because you're so confident in in who you are. Am I making sense there? Yeah. And I think that's so powerful and so beautiful. And witch wound is such an interesting thing because there, there's a layer of it that's like, here's who I am and here's what I believe in. And I believe in myself and and these things so wholeheartedly and with so much integrity that like, I don't need you to agree with me. And then I think for a lot of people, there is remnants of like the lineage of persecution part of it, where it's like, I do know who I am. And when I'm alone, I feel really confident in what I stand for. And then there's just this fear in my body that like I will be attacked and hurt and that people will come for me and try to take me down. That like, I think even just getting into recognizing when that's not even yours, Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, like this is present, this is here. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that I would have this because this is a real thing that has happened throughout history. And Um, and you know, not to interrupt you, but believe you me, those thoughts have run through my mind for sure. 
I'm going on a huge ass platform claiming, reclaiming the word witch. And it's like, you know, when are the pitchforks going to be at my front door? I would be lying right now if I haven't told you that those thoughts haven't come through my mind. But it really goes back to understanding this is witch wound here. This is because my lineage has been persecuted for a number of reasons, including being magical. This isn't mine. This is something that is living within my body and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know? And I also think as we're saying this, that it's not just mine, right? It's not just my individual witch wound, your individual witch wound. It is also collective mm-hmm. societal witch wound, right? Like what we may see play out. Right. A bunch of people being like, we're going to boycott TLC. Yeah. Right? Like the Christians get mad. The Christians? <laughs> not all Christians. Not, hashtag not all Christians. Not all Christians, but they do get mad and they're already getting a little hype. And honestly, what I've been saying is like, prove my point. Like, if, if you all are going to come over here and spew hate at somebody who's just living her life, you are directly proving my point. And it's a place, <laughs> yes. it is a place for the societal witch wound to play out. For mm-hmm. the people who are scared of anything different. And to heal, hopefully. Hopefully, right? Like, it's a... It, this you become, you are going to become, you are becoming an avatar, right? Mm -hmm. And this is always what happens when issues go viral. I had a a client a while back who has a pretty large platform and um, he's a black man and he talks a lot about black love. And then he got engaged to a white woman and Mm -hmm. his page went crazy yeah i'm not very very angry right and that's what he was surprised i'm a black woman for those of you who don't know who i am i'm a woman of color so what you're touching on sarah i know very deeply being a woman of color in the community and the black man with the white woman it's a whole goddamn thing it's a whole thing and so he was so individually hurt and so individually of course protective of himself and his life and i was sitting him down and i was like you have to understand that the comments that are happening on your page are actually not about you. And he's like, but of course yeah. they're like, but they're not. You mm-hmm. have now stepped into an arena with the size of your audience where you have provided a situation, a conversation prompt mm-hmm. for people on multiple sides of this issue ideologically mm-hmm. to argue out their issue on your page but it's Look not Sarah being my mentor without even still being my mentor because that just hits so hard you're right like i this is a conversation prompt you know the idea between religion and spirituality and can two things coexist at the same time which is something you know you'll all have to watch but we do explore that quite deeply all the stuff they say that you don't talk about at the dinner table we went there we went there and so um there's going to be lots of things that I say that are going to be conversation starters for people to start on my page, which is another reason why I'm going to keep my black ass out of the comments. It's a big deal and it's scary and it's, it's a lot to manage. And right. Of course it's like, this feels personal because it's quote unquote to me, this is my life. This is my relationship. This is my family. These are my beliefs that you're talking about. But when you can step back and be like, but no, it's not, they're talking about their beliefs right about themselves they're talking about what they were raised with they're talking about their fears and insecurities they're talking about their stuff Mm -hmm. and they don't know me they don't know that you know they don't know your family they don't know your partner they don't know anything about your life they just want an opportunity and i mean how often do we see this on instagram where people are going in on the comments and as you get further down you're like we're not even talking about the post anymore right Right. Because all all the people are looking for a lot of the time online is a prompt to get a discussion started. Yeah. Where they can, unfortunately, usually because of the way the internet works, where we can like divide into two camps and show Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm not even here to be educated or to have my mind changed or to like have a real dialogue in good faith. I'm just here to loudly say that this is what I think and I'm 
And then yep. someone else is here to loudly say, well, this is why you're wrong and I'm right. And yeah. like, none of it has anything to do with you. That's literally how the comments go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And so like being willing and able to, I hate to use the word sacrificial, but it, it feels a little like, and not in a martyry way, but like, yeah, I will allow my avatar to be the projection upon which all of this is potentially going to play out in the public domain. Yeah. And they're going to use me as the example mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. They don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, all of it, to be honest with you, feels like a deep soul contract. It, this feels like something that I signed up to do. Um, I've always been an extrovert. It like, I just, it feels like a deep soul contract to say the least. And we're here now. And, you know, I just remember thinking like, let's just, let's see if we get contract. We don't, we don't, we're not like entitled to anything. Nothing goes down until we sign. Let's just see if we get cast and everything was happening so seamlessly and so willingly. And, and to be honest with you, without giving too much away, I think that they did a better job than I had anticipated in not making a mockery of what we do as healers and as spiritual workers. And you'll just have to watch to find out what I mean by that. But um, I think they did a pretty solid job of everything makes edit that I think is going to make edit. So, Yeah. It's so exciting and it's so beautiful. And what I really hope, like my little prayer of protection that I'm going to put over you in this situation is that just as much as it becomes a prompt for people who might be naysayers or distractors or afraid of the word witch or like take yeah. umbrage with the fact that you're getting airtime as a witch, right? is that all of the people who also identify as a witch or maybe do the practices but have been afraid of the word are prompted to examine that fear in themselves and feel healed and liberated by seeing you so boldly claim and represent who you are and what you do and own that word. I hope mm -hmm. that it is healing and liberating and exciting and joyful for mm -hmm. the people who need to see that, who are like, oh, yeah, I guess I have been uncomfortable using that word and it's silly because I am and I love right. it. Right, and that's all I can ask for. You know, that's it. You know, uh, you know, new earth is this like buzzword, this buzz term. But what are we really saying when we're talking about new earth? What are we really saying when we're talking about healing and when we're talking about shadow work? When we're talking about visibility, what are we actually saying and our actions lining up with what we're saying? And so when this opportunity came about and they were interested in the fact of, of what I do and how my partner or non-existent partner relates to what I do when that was where they really wanted to go. Well, what the fuck am I going to practice what I preach or am I going to sit here scared? And that's really what it came down to. I knew that I had done enough work on myself to hold this. And I knew that I just had to continue working on myself and continue staying in contact with spirit and keeping my connection with source alive and making sure that doing those check-ins with self and am I okay with this? Am I okay with what's being said? Am I okay with that here? Am I doing well? Do I need water? Do I need sleep? Do I need to take less clients? What do I need to be able to hold this? I think was um, a really good practice for me um, as we move through this experience, which, you know, it's a fucking experience <laughs> to say the least, right? We're just playing around in the matrix. Talk about playing in the matrix. <laughs> Amazing. And that's such a good segue to the other thing I wanted to talk about today, which is um, you did a lot of inner work to prepare yourself to hold this level of visibility. And then in our work together, we did a lot yes. of structural work in your business so that your business job. of visibility. And something that I... I talk with people about this all the time because I have people come to me and they're like, oh, if I had more followers, then I would sell better. And I, like, I just wish I would go viral and I want all this stuff to happen. And then I go look at their page and I'm like, well, I can't tell what you do. And there are no pathways to monetization right. on your page. So 
I've known business owners who went viral and they didn't have an easy access offering for people. And so that virality did nothing for them. I have also known people who went viral who had a product. They didn't have systems in place to to care for a large number of orders. And it actually toppled their business. I once saw this with a fragrance company where they did a limited drop of a fragrance they were making at home in their kitchen and it went viral and they woke up to a million dollars in sales. And then within a few weeks, like, or like a few months, their Instagram page is full of negative comments of people Um, being like, I've been waiting for months for my order because they didn't have the systems in place to handle that high of a level of business. And so mm -hmm. I always talk to people about trying to prepare for what you want. And we had such a cool opportunity because we knew you were a huge influx of business and able to like get very strategic about what we need to do to welcome all these people into your world when they show up. Yeah. Um, that was like the gift that I didn't know I needed. I didn't know I needed like, honestly, like a lot of work on my systems, you know, it's one thing like, okay, hey, I read tarot or, or oh, hey, I hold master classes or book a one-on-one. But when we're talking about scaling and when we're talking about holding space for even more people and, and being a service provider, I think, and I'm sure you can agree that my number one goal is to make sure the client is happy. And those systems afford me to make sure that the client is happy, number one, and that I can take even more clients. So like taking a beat and just kind of looking at the inner workings of of my business and my my systems. And if somebody goes into this program, what is there for them? What is not there for them? How can they get a hold of somebody? How can they cancel if they need to? So that I don't have to be all up in there trying to figure things out. You know, are who is helping with my client relations management? It shouldn't just be me, it should be somebody else, you know, as well that's in there, you know. And um it really kind of, you're right. It was a super unique opportunity to really just dig in and make sure like, are these offers still speaking to my soul? Can we trim off the fat somewhere? Like what is no longer resonating and, and, and what is and prices, right? Are are those prices really reflecting the value that's here? Or do we have to switch some stuff up a little bit? And maybe that means we make room for more um, payment options. And then how do we do that? You know, and do I like the platforms that I'm using? I switched platforms during our time together and I'm super happy with what I'm working with now. And even like keeping me honest with just the monthly budget, like how much am I spending in my business? What is happening here? What does it look like? And getting just really, really, really intimate with my business. I had the intimacy with my clients and the intimacy with my audience down, but the intimacy with my business was something that I hadn't fully explored before because I don't think that we view our business as like a breathing, living entity, especially when we first start, but it is. Our business is an extension of ourselves for sure. And, um, it needs things just like we need things. And, um, it was really, really cool. I feel so good about my systems right now. And I feel so good that no matter how many clients come in today, tomorrow, or the next day, they have a place to go. They've got emails getting to them. They've got instructions. They know how to reach me. They know what they're here for all of that. And that like makes me sleep at peace at night more than anything else. It's so good. And it's so valuable. I mean, even just considering what you said about like, how do, how do people cancel and how do they, how does the customer like, like let someone know something or, you know, things like onboarding and offboarding, Mm -hmm. right? Something that I think a lot of us don't think about at the beginning is when we have these little things that we're doing manually and we're like, oh, it's okay, I can handle it. Well, yeah, I can handle it when it's one a month or one a quarter. Right. What if it was five a day? Exactly. How do uh, this, this works when I have a really small, a very intimate number mm-hmm. of people I'm working with. But if this starts to scale, right, that word, that scaling word, we hear that word in business, but when- And that's what everybody wants. Or they say they do, right? Or they, they say they do. They, but to really understand what it means to deliver quality at scale. Exactly. Quality at scale. That's it. You don't want to go out there and deliver like 
asshole garbage work. And unfortunately, there are people in our community that are doing just that. I don't want to be one of those people. I the, like I have a high retention rate for a reason. My clients keep coming back for a reason. You know, the value is there. I think that's important to remember. I love that you brought that up and make it scalable. I even think about food, right? Like I always, I don't know why I bring everything back to food, but like your girl likes to eat, but also <laughs> I think about the food industry. And it's interesting that I think about this in food industry terms, cause I haven't been a chef, but I think about cooking and like making a really beautiful plated dinner where all the plates are the same for mm -hmm. like four or five people. If I watch like a reality, like a cooking competition show, yeah, it's one thing to make three identical plates for the judges. But like, if you have to do a full restaurant at dinner service and like, you're going to do a hundred tables and every mm -hmm. single plate needs to look identical. That's where we start getting into this stuff of like, like a wedding or something. Yeah, quality yeah. at scale. Can you make it so that you know, yeah, you can turn out a really great, really beautiful, really finely plated meal. And you're like, yeah, but it takes me three hours to do one plate. And you're like, well, right. then it won't work when we right. have 30 people at a time. Right. How do we set things in place in such a way that if we had the level of business that we say we want, that A, our customers would all have the same experience. That's important to me. I don't want anyone to be the person looking around at everyone else's plate and being like, everyone else got something different than I got. Right. Right. I want everyone to get the same quality of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also don't want to be chained to my computer 24 hours. Exactly. A day. Right. And so one thing that I think we did in your business that I still think is really smart is that Ashley Michelle loves to create. Let me say that. This I love is to a Sag baby who has mm -hmm. all of the ideas and so much knowledge, like so much knowledge about so many topics. And you're, you are a perpetual student. So you're always learning. Mm -hmm. And then as you're learning, you as a teacher want to share what you're learning right. with your students. You want to pass the knowledge along. And so something we were always looking at was, I want to make something new. And I have this too. Always. And a lot okay. of my clients have, like, we go into business because, like, one of the beautiful things about a small business is you can move really quickly. You can have right. it and just drop it. Yeah. Yeah. And scaling asks us to, like, first of all, we, we might have to slow down and get more strategic mm -hmm. because... You know, I think about like when you have a big, big business, you can't just drop a new offer because there's meetings and there's like, you have to get it to the marketing right. team and the branding right. team and the, they have yeah. to do market research. Like big companies can't move fast at all. Small mm -hmm. businesses can move faster. Mm -hmm. But even as we're growing into like from a solo practitioner into like a company, mm -hmm. we needed to come up with a way that you could keep creating the stuff you wanted to create and following your inspiration without constantly dropping and launching brand new offers. And exactly. part of our solution for that was that your new ideas and courses and one-off things lived inside a membership. Right. And right. so let's talk a little bit about Lightworkers Academy and like what that is in your business. Yeah. Oh God. I love it. Lightworkers Academy, the library is a labor of love. Um, God, it is the ultimate resource library for any spiritual seeker out there. There is just so much in there. It functions just like a library. You go in, you check out your book, you put it back when you're done, but it's yours as long as you're a member. And it really started because I kept creating. I started Starseed Shadows and I was just creating like learn tarot intuitively and creating birth chart basics and just creating all of these, these programs. And it's like, well, where do they go? And I thought about a previous version of me, as I'm sure a lot of you listening have heard, you know, who's your ICA, think about who you were. And I thought about who I was in like the beginning phases of my spiritual awakening and how amazing would it have been to have this library, this resource library to learn so much about so many different things and not just through like 
verbiage, but through meditative practices and maybe learning how to build my grimoire. There's a whole grimoire building center in there, right? There's an herbal medicine directory in there where like any herbs that you like working with, you can get the spiritual functionalities of the herbs. Um, Starseed galactic races. Like, have you ever wondered what the Pleiadians even are? That's in there. How to open and close your channel. It's literally everything that I've learned over the years. And um, I just, it's in the library. The library is just, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And I also go live in the library once a month doing live lessons on tarot and astrology, which this came about um, to really talk about how you were telling me to slow down. You have always been really good at being like, Ashley, this is good, but like, do we have space for it? And there was this tarot astrology course that I was stuck on for a while. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I was stuck on for a while. And you were like, Ashley, it's cute. It's a good idea. But like, hold on, like, what are we doing? And I realized, um, why am I not doing that in the library? Like once a month, I can talk about the fool. I can talk about Uranus because Uranus is associated with the fool. And I can get that out of my system if I'm feeling like I need to do that. And the folks in the library get FaceTime with me. And so the library serves as this resource space. There's no drips. There's no call dates. You know, a lot of people, you know, don't like that, right? Um, you can go in when you want, you can leave when you want, which I think is a really beautiful aspect of the library. And then we've got the monthly meetups and those monthly meetups are where I'm just live lecturing on the basics, which I think is needed, right? A lot of people, especially in this age of Aquarius and TikTok and Instagram kind of assume this base level knowledge on some of these topics, when in reality, when somebody is like brand new in this world, they're green as fuck. You know, they don't know they're up from down, they're left from right, but they want to. And, you know, in my experience with clients that I've had, they're even a little embarrassed to admit that they're green as fuck, you know? And so um, I think the library is really great for anybody, no matter wherever you're at, but especially for those who are green, um, it's a safe place to really learn and digest information. I love this so much. And I want to just like, as on the business side, kind of pull out a few key things here. One is if you are a prolific creator, right? You always have new ideas of things you want to create. One pathway for that is that you're constantly dropping and launching new offers. And I think a lot yeah. of start our businesses there. We're just like any new offer I have, I just make it and I drop it and I sell it. That's where I was. Yeah. The downside to that that a lot of us don't realize is that you're constantly having to educate your audience about a whole new offer mm -hmm. and, and it's exhausting it, it's exhausting it takes yeah. work um and you're not building on product familiarity which is Agreed. really important because you're always dropping stuff and selling it once Right. And the other thing that happens is you're making all of this work, you're doing all this labor for a program or a course, and then you just drop it to the people who signed up for it live that one time, and then it's shelved, and you're on to the next thing. And so it's yeah. also, to me, it's like not a an honoring way to deal with like the work you did, which is still good work. Right. So it's like, okay, do I want to keep teaching this course live over and over and over again? Maybe not. Right. But I can find a way to leverage it. And so by putting it into some type of format, like a membership or like a course that you're continuing to sell that's part of your product suite, mm -hmm. what you create for yourself as a business owner is a channel uh, for your like all your ideas, right? That's got, it's part of what I did with the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. I used to teach mm -hmm. Elemental Entrepreneurship live as a group coaching program. And I taught it many times over and over. And then I hit this point where I was like, oh, I'm getting sick of teaching the same material over and mm -hmm. over and over again. The material's still good. People mm -hmm. still need it. It is still a really good business course. I would like to teach other stuff. And so by converting it into a format where people can access those courses, they can still learn from them. But when you get me live, I get to teach new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm still interested. I'm still engaged. I'm still having fun. Or we can do Q&As and I can really help you. So you can do the learning part without me. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't need to keep teaching the same stuff over and over. Right. The material's solid. If I need to update it, I can update it. Mm-hmm. But you can go get the material without me needing to teach it live. And that frees Exactly. And it also it. frees up the client too, because sometimes they don't want to do all that live stuff. That's the one thing I've noticed with, with the audiences changing and all that. And with myself as a student, like sometimes I just want to put my headphones in and listen to something while I go for a walk or while I'm at the gym. And I don't want to have to feel like I need to react or I need to respond or I need to have my camera on and be present. You know, sometimes I want to fall asleep to a teaching and let it integrate while I'm sleeping. You know, those are all the different ways I love using like stuff that's already there versus being in a live space. And then you do got the benefits to being in a live spaces as well. You can ask the questions that you need. You can get directed answers. You know, there's positives and negatives to both, but I think hitting on both is important, you know? The other thing I love about this type of format where there's a little bit of a mix and match with like, here's some pre-recorded content. You can go all the way back through my archives. Everything I've taught, you have access to, you can learn. Right. And that means I'm still getting leverage and monetization off of stuff I did right. years ago, which feels right. like an art business. Right. And then you can come in and ask me questions. The thing I love about that as a teacher mm-hmm. is it puts a little bit more responsibility on the student to do some pre-work before they get with me. And I do feel like a lot of times, like there is one thing about showing up on Zoom and I lecture and you just kind of let it wash over you. Mm-hmm. There's a different thing that happens when it is your responsibility as the student to do the reading, right? On right. your own, like do the, you know, watch right. the video, do the journaling, do the stuff on your own. Then show up to me with your real questions. And mm-hmm. then that's like where the good learning happens. I like, love that. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. I love a good Q&A because I know why I'm here. You know why you're here. And I can directly focus on what you need. I love doing Q&As. They're like my favorite way to teach. Me too. So the genius, I think, of the way that um, you chose to structure in your business and what we really focused on as we were getting ready for this opportunity is creating a lot of structure around the membership so that anybody who's new or interested in spirituality who gets exposed to you can come to your page. They can sign right up for Lightworkers Academy. They can go into the library. They can start learning. They can start teaching. If they wanted to book a reading with you, they could. Mm -hmm. But there's a a really easy entry point because if the only thing you had was one-on-ones. Right. I'd be exhausted. You would be exhausted. That would book out your calendar for a million years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and not sure. everybody could afford to work with you one-on-one. Right, right, right. And so it's really cool that the structure that was created is this beautiful, easy pathway for all these new people who are going to be delighted and inspired by you and come into your world and be like, oh my God, I want to learn from you. I want access to you. I want to get to know you better, that they can do that without exhausting you, without exhausting them be in any time zone. They can join in the middle of the night. They can join wherever and they're going to get their welcome emails and they're going to get get access. They're They're going to be taken care of. And that just feels so good to know that they're going to be taken care of. And that's the beauty of a membership. I mean, and you really opened up my eyes to that. Uh, The Lightworkers Academy was there, but not in the way that she's there now. You know, you really kind of helped me reform her a little bit, trim off the fat, like I said before, structure her out. And like the Lightworkers Academy library is like, I've like live launched it four or five times now to go back to that product familiarity. And that's another good point too. It's like launching it is like child's play now because the my people know it. They know it. New people who don't know it will know it. And we know what we're doing with the launch. You know, I know right where it sits on the product pyramid and we get it done and I don't have to do much. And isn't that why we go into business to, to get more of our time back in the first place? You know, and I I totally get the beginning of it and probably even more towards the middle where we're kind of like on the grind and inside of it. But we really should be working on our business and not in our business. And working through my structures has really allowed me to get to that place where I'm working on my business. I was 100% working in my business when I met you, 100%. 
So. Talk a little bit more about that, that difference between working on your business and working in your business. How do your weeks feel different? Mm, I can do what I want. Um, so like, I just, I have so much more space, right? Um, I've got, um, virtual assistants. I do highly suggest it if, if you can afford it to hire help. Um, and you'd be shocked at, um, there's so many different price ranges, right? For somebody to come in and help, even if they're just helping you draft emails, right? Or helping you with an SOP, whatever it is, like you cannot do this on your own. Like it, there's a lot, especially when you start taking on more clients, when you start creating more offers, these people need stuff. And the last thing that you want is to be that person who didn't deliver what the, per, what the client thought that they were going to get. And so working in your business is kind of like what you said before, where you're attached to your computer where your computer is like your ball and chain and it goes everywhere you go and you're constantly responding to emails and constantly like posting something for content and everything kind of starts to feel like a chore because it's what needs to be done to keep the business going. And you're working with a client here and you're doing content there and you're working on a launch there. You have an email to do down there. You got an SOP, you got to do over there and your Canva is a mess. You all know what I'm talking about, you know, versus working on your business where you're really that embodied CEO and you're leading and you're directing and you know what's next and you have the the mental space to look into the future. That is probably the best way I can say it. When you're working in your business, you can really kind of only focus on what's happening right now. And when you're working on your business, you can see what three months out looks like, what four months out looks like. I know what the end of my year looks like. And honestly, all of quarter one, I just haven't written it down yet, but I could talk about it. And I that just gives you so much power because you know where you're going because you're leading yourself. Oof. Mic drop, show over. So good. <laughs> I want to I wanna highlight something here that I think I see as a really common like stuck spot for entrepreneurs. If you're listening to Ashley Michelle here and you're thinking like, oh yeah, I really want to get to that point, but mm-hmm. I can't hire anybody yet because I don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get stuck at this tipping point where you have enough business right? Enough, quote unquote, like you're making money, you have clients coming in, you have some programs, you have some launches, things are happening. Mm -hmm. But you're still pretty much doing everything manually, you don't have a lot of automation, and you don't have Mm -hmm. any help, that you start feeling like I'm not making enough money to hire somebody. And I need to make more money before I can bring in help. But you can't actually bring in any more money because you're out of time, like you cannot serve any more customers doing things. Literally, yeah. So you get in this little stuck place. And I I really want to just encourage you to like consider, first of all, CEO, I'm speaking to you, that, that like you have to lead your business. Like you are the leader and leaders go first. You cannot yes. wait for the situation to change and then go. Like you're going to have to like take that scary first step and lead your business where you want it to go. I always encourage people to make decisions from the business you want to be running six months from now or next year versus the business you're running today. So if what you want is more clients and you know you couldn't serve more clients doing everything yourself and rushing from task to task and never being able to look ahead and doing everything manually, you're going to have to take that little rearranging moment because the thing that you're recognizing is if I had help, I would be delivering a higher level customer experience and I would feel more confident. I think that's another thing that happens is we're like, oh, I'm afraid to bring people in and not have people have a good experience. So I won't take more people on and solve that by getting the help you need so that you can make sure that when you bring more people in, they'll have a good experience. Once again, on the food thing, I'm always like, you don't invite people over and then get cups and chairs. Right. You have enough cups and chairs in advance for everyone you're inviting so that if everyone shows right. up, you can serve them. Like, it's your job. You're throwing this party. You're the host. Exactly. And honestly, up. you know, true entrepreneurs, where there's a will, there's a way. You will figure it out. My baby sister did and still does a lot of my photos. I'm like, okay, girl, I got a vision. Get your iPhone out. And, you know, she'll go and do that stuff. Because I don't know about you, but I definitely get a lot of clients like, well, I want to have like 
photo shoots, but I don't have the money or I want help, but I don't have the money. Like you can find a student at your local community college who's studying social media marketing and maybe have them do a little bit of work for you as a test run for a little bit of change or a trade even. That's another thing. Use your witchy powers, right? Like, you know, you you work in this field of spirituality. Can you trade something, a service for a service? Where there's a will, there's a way. And I do find that people tend to get hung up on what they can't get until they have. And um, that is going to block your blessing, that sort of mentality. It really is. Yeah. It's that have, do, be versus be, do, have. Exactly. Exactly. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm able to have somebody helping me that's like on my team and great. I still utilize my sister for sure. She takes great content. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think that there needs to be a level of taking it seriously. That's what I think. I think there needs to be a level of taking it seriously. I think that too, there's too many spiritual workers burning themselves out on the one-to-ones because that's where you will burn yourself out. The one-to-ones, it's just, it's a lot, a lot of energy. And so you got to cap that somehow. And then you got to create some sort of revenue that's happening where you kind of don't have to necessarily be present. And then I'm sure, you know, everybody's heard this a thousand times, but price your one-on-ones accordingly. As a person who works in spirituality, we all here know how draining that can be. Not to say that our clients are draining, but to say to give that person a beautiful experience, we're coming in plugged in. And, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of not pricing accordingly and then wondering why we're tired. This is making me remember I had a client who, when we first started working together, all of her services were by donation. She had no prices. Mm. Everything was by donation. She was paying her bills. Everything was by donation. And she had no systems to the point where, like, I was like, how do people book you? And she's like, they text me or they DM me or they send me a message on Facebook or they email me. Like, she's keeping track of all these things. It was wild. And I promise you, we got her into a much better situation. (laughs) That like gives me anxiety thinking about it. But I was remembering that one of the things she told me was that she had a lot of gifts as a medium specifically. And she was like, I don't like doing mediumship readings. And I said, okay, why? Um, And she said, I feel like people are really specifically skeptical about mediumship and they come in kind of with their arms crossed and they're trying to trick me. Like That's not really my grandma or whatever. Or they have like a really specific person they want to hear from and that's not who shows up. And then they're upset with me and like stuff like that. And I was like, okay, so what if you charged $600 for a mediumship reading? And she was shocked. And she was like, well, I couldn't. And I was like, well, I want you to think about this. If someone's right. paying $600 for mediumship, they believe in mediumship. No one's, right. no one's putting down $600 to prove you wrong. Exactly. But by donation for 20 bucks, they might. For five bucks, right. they might. But if the price point is protective of you in a way exactly. that like, it's going to vet people, they're only coming in if they really care. And so you're going to get a clientele who already believes you've pre-screened them for belief mm-hmm. by the price. And then mm-hmm. also like they've chosen you and they're investing at a higher level in their experience and whether or not they like the information they got, they're going to get it and you're going right. to collect your check. And at the end of it, they can be upset, but you got paid $600 and she right. was like, I'm going to try it. And we, you know, we ended up working out like a product, like a pricing suite for all of her offers and a calendar and all of that stuff. But the first time she had a $600 mediumship reading, she called me in tears. She was like, I believed, first of all, I didn't believe anybody would book this at this price, Mm -hmm. but also the person who booked this believed in mediumship, really Mm -hmm. wanted specifically mediumship from me, came Mm -hmm. in really open-hearted and ready. I had the most Mm -hmm. beautiful experience. She had the most beautiful experience. It was like such a great situation. And Mm -hmm. I can't believe that like, I didn't think I was like allowed to do this before. That already feels so much more light and better for the channel, like the person who's channeling. I I love what you said on how 
the client's already been screened by the price. I had never thought about it like that. And it, that's very, very true. Um, somebody who's paying $600 believes in mediumship. So you don't even have to worry about that. When I used to read tarot at the bar, I would come across that. That's why I stopped actually, you know, uh, I'm reading tarot at the bar and it was a great, great, great starting point. So don't get me wrong. It was great extra money, great starting point, but I would run into the people just putting down their money with their arms crossed, like, okay, tell me my future. I'll be like, okay, sir, I need you to get up out of my chair. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing all that with you right now. That's not here for that, you know? And, um, after I realized that I had grown out of that experience, you know, I left amicably and all of that. But I think it was with you where we decided to up my one-on-one prices as well. And, um, when, um, somebody booked in with me for the first time at 777, I remember being like, holy shit, like, and my prices were, they were a couple hundred before, but not worth the value. Like I'm, I'm giving insane value in my one-on-ones, but it felt really good to be seen at that value as well. And to recognize like, I'm worthy of this. And I don't know who said that I wasn't or why I thought I wasn't or where I'm holding in my body that I'm not, but that's a false narrative that I no longer abide by, you know, and I'm going to prove that to myself through not touching these goddamn prices. They are what they are. I think we're in like a really cool place because in this conversation, because I had a talk yesterday in Coven. One of the Coven members was like, you talk all the time about starving artist and humble healer and like, how are they different? And I was like, oh, I love this question. And both artists and spiritual business owners or healing practitioners have stuff about money, right? Like, but, and they, but, and there are some ways where they cross over. And then there are some places where they're a little bit different. And one of the specific places that the humble healer stuff shows up is there is kind of, there's societal stuff around, like, if you really cared about helping people, you would do it for free. Yes. There's a lot of that. And I think that like, even though we might logically know that like, that's ridiculous, like we need to make money. We need to pay bills. We currently live in a system that requires us to have green paper and trade it to people for goods and services. And like, that's just where we're at. It may not be ideal and it may not be forever, but that is where we're at right now. It's real. And like, we do need to make money. And Mm -hmm. I know so many talented healers, spiritual practitioners who are working a day job that they hate to pay their bills and then giving away their real gift skills and talents because they've internalized some of this messaging that says like, if you really cared about this, you would just give it to people. If you really want to help people, you would give it away. And, you know, if you were really about healing and helping humanity, I've even encountered people who like, they are making money, but they're like, well, don't worry because I don't just want to make money just for me. I, I want to make it so that I can help the collective, like this really big emphasis mm-hmm. put on like it being unspiritual or unenlightened to care about whether or not you are appropriately financially compensated for your labor mm-hmm. and whether or not we can count healing work, spiritual work as labor right Right. the same way you can if you're an accountant in someone's Mm -hmm. office yes you can it is your time it's still your learning it's still your gifts it's still your skills it's still your preparation like just like somebody goes to school to get a degree to do something we all get trained in so many different things you know we don't just come out of the goddamn gate I can't tell you how much I've invested in my own learning and my own training to be where I'm at when it comes to being a healer you know, and that needs to be taken into account too. Like when you go get your astrology reading done, the, the person isn't thinking how much time did that astrologer put in to prep? Because every astrologer is prepping. They're looking at your chart before they look at you. That is for damn sure. People don't think about that stuff. And I think that, you know, the crossover with artists, right? About like, oh, if you really loved this, you'd do this for free. Artists get that too. The texture Um, that's particular for healers is if you really cared about people, you wouldn't price your work high. If you really wanted to help people, you mm -hmm. wouldn't price your work high because you want to be as accessible as possible. And there's a guilt that I see arise in 
charging the prices, whether or not they're even luxury or premium premium prices, just charging the prices you need to charge to pay your bills, right. um, being protective of your one-on-one time, right? And then when we get into things like making group programs, making courses, that is where it gets really smart so that you can price your one-on-one work appropriately for like, mm-hmm. when I'm with somebody one-on-one, I cannot do anything else. Mm-hmm. That is worth charging for. You are at that point buying my time, my focus, my one-on-one undivided exactly. attention. And I have to charge for that hour of my time appropriately, even mm-hmm. though I don't believe in charging time for money. But I'm still, you're, there's still a like, hey, I can't give you my undivided attention for 20 bucks. Like I can't do it. I And afford yeah. my life and pay my bills. And you don't want me to do it either. Like you, nobody wants me to read them for $20. You want me to read you for $700 promise you that <laughs> like like I mean I I can't I would never I would never I don't know and I, I guess to elaborate a little bit on what I'm saying if anybody's confused what I'm saying is like we're talking about value here right somebody's doing a three card spread for twenty dollars versus somebody spending 90 minutes with you for a couple hundred dollars where do you think the, the, the more value is going to be. Are you going to get your questions answered? Are you going to feel fulfilled? Are you going to feel all changed and shit? More, more than likely that's going to happen for you and that other path, not that $20 path. And that's just, I guess, the nature of the beast, if you will. There's not much work you can get done for a $20 spread. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can get like a quick question answered. A quick question. Exactly. I think that the the thing about like the guilt that people feel around pricing their one-on-one work appropriately, the guilt especially that healers and spiritual practitioners have around pricing their one-on-one work appropriately, there is that little bit of shadow work to do around. Is there any part of you where if somebody showed up and said, this is too expensive. I had this happen in my business. I had early in my business, I had someone go to me and say that if I really cared about helping people, I should be giving my work away for free. And I was so grateful in that moment because this is someone who was like private messaging me based on some marketing I was doing for a group program. And I was so grateful because I was like, oh, this person is showing up as a living avatar of my deepest fears of what people will think when they see my pricing. And saying it to my face and giving me a chance to stand up for myself and my pricing and explain why I'm doing the work I'm doing, why I'm pricing the way I'm pricing, why I'm positioned the way I'm positioned, why I think it's important for me to own the means of my own production, why I think it's important for me to be compensated for my skills, for my labor, for my knowledge. Um, And by the end of that conversation, that person was like, I completely agree with you on all of this. And I really want to sign up for your program, which was fascinating. And then I got less of that, but it was like, oh, this is because I'm scared of this. Like when I post my pricing, there's a part of the energy in my body that's afraid that people Mm -hmm. are going to see my pricing and have this thought. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to do this work and to look at like, am I worried that somebody's going to judge me, that someone's going to show up and ask me to lower my prices? And that if they do, am I going to feel guilted into it? Am I going to then turn around and be like, oh my God, they're right about me. I should lower my prices. I don't really care. I'm being perceived as unspiritual or ungenerous or like my heart's not in the right place. I'm materialistic and greedy. No, no. So I think there's like shadow work to do in there. And then when we do take the time to build a, a smart product suite with group courses, programs, things that people can access without us, then we get to say, hey, it totally no harm, no foul. If you can't do a one-on-one thing, here's all these other beautiful options exactly. I have for you that allow me to serve you at a lower price point without needing to give you my undivided attention to do Exactly, it. which is beautiful about a product suite. It really is up and down the ladder. I love it. I love this. So we're almost at time. And this is like, I swear this whole episode wasn't a plug, but also I will say that it is. I'm teaching a new program that's about to start uh, that's called One to Many. And it's just to help people design a group program or a course. So if you're out there listening and you're like, oh, my work is so nuanced. It's so esoteric. I need to be with the client in order to serve them. And it's hard for me to think of how my work could even be a group program or a course. I am very good at helping people figure out what they can pull from their one-on-one to serve a group. So I hope you join one to many and Ashley, Michelle, do you have anything coming up besides 90 day that you want to plug? 
I know, right? Um, well, you can find me at Starseed Shadows, starseedshadows.com, uh, Starseed Shadows on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, depending on when this drops, Siren may or may not be open, but the Lightworkers Academy Library is always open, uh, thanks to Sarah. So I really do feel like if you're in that spot and you don't have a one-to-many program inside of your product suite, you need one. Like, I feel like that's kind of a non-negotiable as you're building out your product suite. I agree. I hope everyone comes and joins. And definitely go follow Ashley Michelle, Starseed Shadows on Instagram. And I don't know if you know this, but before, I've I've been recently watching 90 Day The Last Resort on HBO Max, but I've never been a 90 Day girl. So this is a conversion event for me. 90 Day got a fan. Converted you. It's it's pretty spicy, isn't it? I'm so excited to watch this season. I can't wait. It's going to be a ride. Buckle up, girlfriend. <laughs> a coaching session on it. So who knows if that'll make edit, but they might see me on the show too. Right. Exactly. We'll I see. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll plug all your links in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching. Have a great day.